Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus, our risen Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life. So even now, as we look to your word, lead us in the way into deeper relationship with Jesus and through that relationship more deeply into your truth and into your life. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated in your homes. Good morning, everyone. I would invite you to take out your Bibles or your devices um, with Scripture on them and turn to the 14th chapter of John's Gospel. My sermon today is not what I was going to preach if you had asked me at the beginning of this week. And the direction that I feel led to go in really grows out of some things I have sensed and believe that God began to stir in my spirit throughout this week. Um, sometimes God has a way of changing directions for us. And one of the things that he has impressed upon my heart, especially this week, is that it is a time to be alert despite all that is going on or in light of all that is going on around us. To be aware, to be more fully attuned to the voice of God. And it is a time to pray with the sincere, earnest, heartfelt belief that God does indeed answer the prayers of his people. So what I want to do together in our time this morning is talk about prayer. And now that, that's, a, that's a huge topic. And there's so much more, there's so much I want to talk about with regard to prayer, and there's so much beyond what we can talk about this morning. But I want to talk about praying in specific ways. There's so much more to prayer than simply rattling off a laundry list of things we are asking God to do for us or for those around us. William Carey, the great father of the modern missions movement, missionary to England in the early 19th century, said this, prayer... Secret, fervent, believing prayer lies at the root of all personal godliness. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, speaking about prayer, says this. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we commit to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. So we come to God in prayer for him to change us, for him to transform us, for him to make us and conform us more and more to the image of Jesus. But coming to God, interceding on behalf of other people, their needs and our needs And the situations which they or we may be facing is also an important part of prayer. Asking is an important part of prayer. I'm going to begin with, again, putting a lot of scriptures out there this morning. In light of asking being an important part of prayer, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8 tells us this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And the record of scripture also clearly shows us that it is important to be specific, specific when we pray. 
Just look at some examples from the New Testament with me. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. And then continuing in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, we read, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul continuing to write in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then continuing in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. All of these examples that we see that I've just read give examples of praying specifically and then list or elaborate on the specific things that are being prayed for. And scripture also gives us various examples of very specific answers to prayer, which God gave in response to the specific focused prayers of believers. James chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruits. And then finally in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 12. So Peter was kept in prison. Listen to this. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up, quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel, was, that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, 
where many were gathered together and were praying. Peter was delivered from prison by God's response to the fervent, focused prayers of God's people. What I want to do this morning is look at our gospel reading from John so that we might have a better understanding of our basis of coming to God in prayer. And that we would learn some other very important specific truths about praying in specific ways and seeing answers to prayer by God's grace and God's goodness. Scripture is quite clear, brothers and sisters, that it is God's will for us to bring our request to him in prayer as believers. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, affirm this to us. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in our gospel reading this morning, I want to focus on verses 12 through 14, of John chapter 14. Let me read these three verses to you again. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary. Excuse me. I looked at the wrong reading. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. These words from our gospel reading this morning are part of the extensive instructions recorded in John's gospel that Jesus gave to his disciples on the very night that he was betrayed. As they gathered with him around the table for the last time. And there are several profoundly important truths we see here regarding coming to God in prayer. First, we see the foundation for answered prayer in verse 12 of John 14. In verse 12, Jesus clearly establishes the basis for us doing or continuing to do the work of his kingdom and the basis for us coming to God in prayer. So what is this basis? What is the starting point? Well, listen to the words of Jesus again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me. Faith in Jesus. This is the starting point. It's not optional. And Jesus isn't talking here of some outward formal merely head or intellectual assent to or belief in him as savior. Whoever believes in me. Jesus is emphasizing the necessity of personal commitment to him as Savior and Lord. Because it's when we have the life of Jesus flowing through us by the Spirit of God. It's when we are those branches connected to the vine who is Jesus that we do his work. It's his life flowing through us. And it's when we have this life of Jesus that our prayers are effective. They grow out of a living relationship with Jesus. Our prayers grow out of a living relationship with Jesus. 1 John 3, beginning with verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 
And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. James 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is, as it is working. We need to know Jesus deeply for effective prayer. We need to be walking with Jesus closely, cleansed from sin for effective prayer. We need to be free of patterns of habitual sin to press in and know Jesus and pray effectively. Knowing that Jesus is indeed our intercessor and he is the basis by which we come to God in prayer. So as we continue in these three verses, we also begin to see some principles for answer prayer. And drawing from these verses and several others from scripture, this morning there are five principles relating to answer prayer that I want us to see. This is certainly not an exhaustive list, but Jesus says again in verses 13 through 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Whatever you, whatever we ask. But Jesus also gives some qualifying principles related to answered prayer. And the first principle is this. The kinds of prayers Jesus speaks of here are in his name. To pray in Jesus' name is not some sort of a magic formula as some people have made it down through the years. And brothers and sisters, we need to be careful and we need to guard against this. It is not somehow using a certain set of right words or saying some formulaic saying in the right way that leads to answer prayer in Jesus' name. Formulas are not, how we pray is not about somehow saying certain words to try to manipulate or force God's hand. What we're talking about here really relates very closely to what we've already started to discuss. A true Christian prays in Jesus' name because by truly knowing him as our Savior, we are supernaturally united with Jesus. We are in union with Jesus, and Jesus is in union with God the Father. Our requests relate to our lives as Christians and to the call that God continues to place upon us and upon all who are true believers to continue the work and the will of Jesus in the power and the anointing of his Holy Spirit. We, as we pray in Jesus' name, through the, through the, excuse me, will glorify the Father through the ministry that Jesus has, Jesus has given us, just like he brings glory to the Father. And our prayers as we pray with right intent, with the right heart in Jesus' name, will grow to reflect the heart and the will of God. When I was a young Christian, I remember my, my pastor talking about praying the will of God. And as a young Christian that really didn't understand what he was saying, I thought, that sounds kind of bizarre and maybe almost arrogant. But I didn't understand at the time what my pastor was talking about. 
My pastor was a man of deep and fervent prayer who spent hours every day on his knees in prayer. Because what he was talking about was that we walk so closely with Jesus that God aligns our heart and our words and our prayers with him so that we are indeed out of that union with Christ, very much praying in accord with what is the heart and will of the Father so that our very words, not because of us, but because of the life of Christ in us, are praying the will and the heart of God. We learn to listen, to sense, to discern and then pray according to God's will in Jesus' name. Second, the kind of prayers Jesus speaks of here are for God's glory. God wills to do good things in the lives of his people. God answers our prayers as his people, but he answers them in a way that is to bring him glory. God doesn't share his glory with anyone. We need to keep that in mind and remember that he is God and we are his creation. Isaiah 42 verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And then continuing in verse, or excuse me, chapter 48 of Isaiah For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in a furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. We, brothers and sisters, need to be very careful when we pray so that when God in his grace and out of the living relationship we have with him answers our prayers perfectly in accord to his will, we need to make sure that the glory goes to him and we don't somehow take credit in some vain, idolatrous, self-righteous way for answered prayer because it is from God and his mighty hand. It is not because of us, but it's because of him and what he has done. And if we choose to forget this truth, it will become a roadblock to answer prayer. Let us be sure to give God the glory that he deserves. Third, the kind of prayers Jesus speaks of are for our good and in our best interest. The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Sometimes we miss it with this truth. We miss it because we're human beings, because we struggle with sin and self. And sometimes we miss it because we forget to understand or we neglect to understand that God answering our prayer is actually a godly rebuke or a godly correction or godly refinement or God answering our prayer in his timing and not when we want it answered is really for our good and in our best interest even when we don't get it from the eyes of the flesh. When we don't see the big picture, God sees the big picture. We can trust him. 
He cares for us. And he has our best interest at heart as his children. James 1 verse 17 reminds us every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The kind of prayers Jesus speaks of here are certainly for our good and in our best interest. Fourth, the kind of prayers Jesus speaks of here have right motives. Again, scripture addresses this in the epistle to James, verse, chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This brings us right back to praying the heart and the will of God or failing to do that. Right back to misdirected prayers that are carnal, worldly, or selfish. We're surrounded in the world around us by, by models that are errant in this way. Where people are praying for Jesus to get them out of a jam. And then simply to go on their way. Or people are praying for Jesus to make them rich when Jesus never died on the cross. To make us financially and materially prosperous in this world. We see it all around us where people are focused on television with, with stuff and acquisition. And there's nothing but carnality in the flesh and the ways of this world under a Christian facade. The kinds of prayers that Jesus speaks of here have right motives. And then finally, the kinds of prayers that Jesus speaks of here are not passive. God doesn't call us, brothers and sisters, to pray and then just sit back. Look at the example of Jesus himself. Repeatedly, time after time in scripture, we see Jesus going away, isolating himself to pray and to fast, to spend time with his father to clearly and fully discern the heart and the will of the Father. But then after doing that, he acts according to his Father's will. John 4, verse 34, Jesus says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Acts 10, verses 37 through 38, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. God hasn't called us to sit back and be passive. God has called us to respond and step out in obedience to his will. Discerned in prayer and in light of his word. We are called to continue the work of his kingdom. Again, verse 12 of John 14, if we have faith in him, we will do what he was doing. And as we walk in accordance with his will, our lives will bear fruit in keeping with the heart and the will of our God. Active prayer, prayer that is not passive, also resists the attacks of Satan, not in the weakness of the flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. James 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee to you. Draw near to God 
and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We're not called to be passive. We're to step out in accordance with the will of God. We're not called to be passive. We're to engage in godly warfare, not through the flesh, not through humanly devised plans and schemes, but in the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God. We're to resist the powers of darkness in our lives and in the world around us, but not in the flesh, but in the power of the Spirit. By submitting ourselves to God more fully day by day, submitting to His will. And we can't ask God to deliver us while we're running towards sin, while we're running toward darkness. God delivers us as we respond in obedience to him and we run as we run toward the light. And we can't expect God to work through us and answer our prayers when we aren't even willing to act upon his will, what we clearly know to be his will. If we're not acting in obedience by God's grace and power through a living relationship with Jesus to the very things that his word make clear are his will for us, why would we ever expect him to show us anything beyond that until we yield and submit and turn in repentance and are conformed to his heart and his express will? God's will, brothers and sisters, is to answer our prayers according to his perfect, wonderful, beautiful, glorious will. And if we're not seeing answers to prayer, it doesn't mean that somehow God's heart or God's character have changed, has changed. But perhaps there is some block between us and between him. I love what Richard Foster says about this again in Celebration of Discipline. I want to read a short excerpt where he talks about this, about the work of prayer and about prayers not being answered about the process we must go through to allow ourselves to be united to the heart of God. Listen to what he says. To understand that the work of prayer involves a learning process saves us from arrogantly dismissing it as false or unreal. If we turn on our television set and it does not work, we do not clear that there are no such thing as electronic frequencies in the air or on the cable. We assume that something is wrong something that we can find and that we can correct. We check the plug, switch, circuitry, until we discover what is blocking the flow of this mysterious energy that transmits pictures. We know know the problem has been found and fixed by seeing whether or not the TV works. It is the same with prayer. We can determine if we are praying correctly if the requests come to pass. If not, we look for the block Perhaps we are praying wrongly. Perhaps something within us needs changing. Perhaps there are new principles of prayer to be learned. Perhaps patience and persistence are needed. We listen, make the necessary adjustments, and try again. We can know that our prayers are being answered as surely as we can know that our television set 
is working. Perhaps we are praying wrongly. Perhaps something in us, in me, in you needs to change. Perhaps faithful, fervent persistence in prayer is needed. Where do we start? We start by praying according to what we know clearly to be God's will as revealed in the scriptures. And as we do that, and we pray for the salvation of others, we pray for the needs of the world around us. But first, even before that, we pray that our hearts and our minds and our spirits, the entirety of our beings will be aligned with the heart and the will and the plan and purpose of God. Then as we do that, we will see God's answer to prayer coming to pass because he will move us to that place in alignment with his heart where indeed the words we pray in prayer, the words we pray as we spend time in his presence truly are aligned with and are, so that his will and his heart so that we are praying the will of God and we can pray then from that place knowing that he gives us whatever we ask in his name and for his glory. Let us pray. Oh, Father, search our hearts. Lord, search our hearts even now. And Lord, your call to us is certainly to be a people of prayer, a people of fervent, deep-seated prayer in the presence of God the Father by the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, take us to those places afresh and anew. Lord, bring us to repentance. Lord, that those things that keep us from your heart and your mind and knowing and doing your will, even in prayer, are broken in Jesus' name, that they're cast down, that you may be lifted up and that you may be glorified and that your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make us that kind of a people of prayer. Make us as All Saints Church that kind of a church of prayer. And Lord, cleanse us and renew us and conform us to the image of Jesus for the praise and the glory of your name, which you share with no other. This we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.